Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. This last week we had, in our team meeting, we had Billy Burton and his wife Donna with us. They're well known as Natalie's parents, which is a good role reversal for their life. Um, Billy and Donna um, have been pastors and leaders all over the U.S. They're actually um, waiting for COVID to end so they can get back to Argentina where they're working with a whole movement. But uh, in the early 2000s, they worked in uh, Brownsville at the revival there. They were pastors in the school. And so we invited him to our team just to talk about what revival looks like, what it looks like when God starts to move supernaturally, sovereignly among a people. And one of the things that he said to us, he actually had this picture, this vision last week, is that he saw in Sozo this like rushing water, which would be really a sign of of the move of God, the spirit of God at work among us. And what he saw in that rushing water was debris. It's like not too long ago, we like to not talk about it, but when the floods hit and there's trees being uprooted and there's all that stuff um, that, that comes in the flow of the river that's raging. And what he said to us, and I believe it's actually a word for us as, as a church family, probably for what God's doing uh, in our region, maybe, maybe even beyond, is that in that debris, in that move of God is debris. And here's what's going on. And this is why I think you need to know this. That debris is the junk that is getting purified out of us. And what's going on, I believe, in us is there is an unsettling and a stirring going on inside of us. And it's actually a move of God. What we often want is just the feel-good move of God. What we often want is just like the goosebumps and it's like, oh, that feels really good. That's really supernatural. But here's what I believe that God is doing is that he is purifying the church so that what we would be would be a wholehearted people, that we don't just experience a supernatural move of God in a spiritual way that affects the spiritual aspects of our lives, but actually that our whole lives would be purified, that relationally we would be made whole, that Uh, in our minds, in our thought lives, we would be restored, that we would experience the sozo of God, that healing, that freedom, that deliverance, that salvation in our whole lives. And so I want you to know this. I believe that you are not waiting for a move of God, that you are already in a move of God. And what we have to do is get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And we have to be a people that says, God, you can have all of me. I want you to take all of it, like every bit of me. Um, I don't want a Sunday morning move of God. I want a whole life move of God. And I believe that's what God wants to do in us and through us. And he's looking for people who don't have it all together, but would say, I'm in, sign me up. And I believe that God wants to do something that does not fizzle out but that grows and grows and grows even for generations. We're in this series called Legacy. And what if our legacy as a church family, as a people, 
would be that we stewarded the move of God that he entrusted to us in a way that blessed nations and generations. I believe that's what God has for us. I believe that's what actually God has always wanted to do throughout time. And what God is doing is he's maturing us so that we can carry what he already decided to pour out at Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. So that's what I'm in for. That's what I wanna give my life to, amen? All right, would you turn with me to Genesis chapter 25? And we are gonna continue our series called Legacy. And I want to talk to you about Choices that echo through eternity. Genesis 25, that's at the beginning of the Bible. Seems like I forgot where it was. Nope, that's not where we are. Where are we? Oh, I'm in Exodus 25. Hang in there with me. One of these days, I'm going to learn the Bible. No, actually, I, uh, I went to a, a Baptist private school, and it was my homework to, to memorize the Bible. Don't tell my teachers that I'm in front of a bunch of people and can't figure out where stuff is. Genesis 25, starting in verse 29. Let me say this first. When we talk about the word legacy, there is a difference between legacy and inheritance. Inheritance is what you leave to a person, but legacy is what you leave in a person. And no matter what you have in the way of material possessions, I believe that it is your call to leave a legacy. That it's your call to leave a legacy to your biological kids, to the kids in your family, the adopted kids in your family for sure. But if you don't have kids or you never have kids, It is your responsibility still and all of our responsibility to leave a legacy in our spiritual kids. Here's what that means, that there is a call for you to live at a spiritual maturity that you can actually leave a legacy in the lives of others. Your call is to be so immersed in Jesus that you look like him and the decisions that you make and the relationships that you have leave a legacy that lasts for generations. Choices that echo through eternity. Genesis 25, verse 29. It says, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said, Jacob, quick, Let me have some of that stew. I'm famished. That is also why he's called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Now, if you don't know this, the name Jacob actually means deceiver. And here is Jacob. Jacob and Esau were twins, but Esau came out first, which meant that he was considered the firstborn. Jacob living up to his name, Deceiver, which if your name in here is Jacob, we can give you a different name, meaning you don't have to be the deceiver. You could be the receiver. There you go, Diane. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. So here here is his brother. And in an opportune moment, his brother comes in hungry in an opportune moment. He's not saying, hey, bro, I'll, I'll sell you 
some, some soup for five bucks. He's like, I want everything that you have. And that is one slick salesman because there is really no uh, counter offer. He says in verse 32, look, I'm about to die. Sounds like my kids, by the way, right? <laughs> Don't you understand? It's two o'clock. I haven't eaten since lunch. I am famished. Anybody else? I'm like, you don't know hunger. Maybe he's more hungry than that. And he says, what good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate it and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Here's what's going on. Jacob and Esau, their father is Isaac. Their grandfather is Abraham. Abraham has a word that he's going to be the father of many nations. He's got one son. That one son has two sons. There is an incredible inheritance beginning at Abraham being passed down through the generations, a promise from God that none of them lived to see. Esau's responsibility was to steward that call as the firstborn in a way that would actually lead to the coming of Jesus, the transformation of the nations. And yet, in a moment of weakness, Esau traded his future, his legacy, for a bowl of soup. We look at Esau and we think, man, what in the world were you thinking, right? But how many of us find ourselves at the same fork in the road all the time? In fact, we, we, we find those places, maybe where it's our hunger, our appetite, maybe not for food, maybe it's settling in relationships, maybe it's settling in choices, maybe it's giving in to addiction, maybe it's in your thought life. And we find ourselves at these crossroads where in a moment of weakness, we trade the most valuable thing to us for the proverbial bowl of soup. A decision that echoes through eternity. You see, our tendency is this. We, we never see that decision, that fork in the road so clearly, right? We're like, well, what good is it to me? I don't even think I have a future. I want to say over you that you have a future, that God has designed it so that your life would be significant and so that the decisions you make would echo through eternity. And yet we find ourselves in these places where we compromise our legacy. The reverse is also true. In fact, probably many of you are at places right now where you have a choice to make in life. Am I going to get serious 
about God's call in my life? Or am I just gonna do what everybody else is doing? Am I just gonna do what's easy? Am I willing to pay the price now, suppress my appetite that seems insatiable in order to step into God's best for me? My great-grandfather George, who I had the pleasure of meeting uh, and knowing for probably the first five or six years of my life, he was a little man with, imagine this, a bald head. (laughs) Big ears and a big old nose. It's interesting, my grandfather who inherited all of those same traits said that I married your grandmother because she has small ears and a small nose. And I was trying to help out the future generations. Didn't help me with the hair though. So my great grandpa George was the son to an engineer. He crossed, I can't remember what road it is, going into Galveston, you'll see our last name on the bridge. But that's about all the legacy that great-great-grandpa left to great-grandpa George. He became an alcoholic. So bad was his alcoholism that he could not work anymore. So my great-grandfather George at six years old, or in sixth grade, about 12 years old, drops out of school to sell newspapers for his father, who was an engineer. But had made bad choices. At one point, my great-grandfather George ran away from home because the alcoholism, and I imagine the abuse, was so bad that it was better to venture out on his own at a young age than to stay in that house. Some of you have similar stories. So great grandpa George found Jesus and put a stake in the ground on two things, following Jesus and staying sober. His Bible, my grandfather said, that Ephesians was his favorite book in the Bible, that if you looked in his Bible, you actually could not read Ephesians anymore. It was so marked up. The story that I got as a young kid, actually as we were sitting in the living room just after his funeral, was that great-grandfather George had read his Bible cover to cover in his lifetime 65 times with only a sixth-grade education. He decided to pay the price for future for future generations. My grandfather's generation has my grandfather who has two PhDs in theology, has a lawyer, a doctor. Um, 
I think an engineer. My great aunt uh, was an executive with the Houston Chronicle. Another aunt, great aunt was uh, high up in education. They lived to make a mark on the world because of great-grandfather George's sacrifice. My grandfather, I call him Papaw. Anybody got a Papaw out there? <laughs> Papaw Lowry, at a young age, stuttered, but felt like God had called him into ministry. So he goes to school, makes a deal with God. God, if you take away my stutter, then I'll preach. Begins preaching. Finds himself at a little country church in the 1960s and he's preaching. And then he meets this group of men called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. And they lead my preacher grandfather to Jesus. It's possible to be a preacher and not know Jesus, by the way. So then they pray with him to receive the Holy Spirit into his life. That changed everything because now he began a relationship with God. He wasn't just in it now for a ticket to get to heaven, but he was walking with God. So he would begin to pray and ask God, God, what, what should I preach on? Well, in the 1960s in a little country church just outside of Houston, God told him that he was supposed to preach on racism. So he preaches on racism. It doesn't go very well. In fact, the deacons at his little church came to him and said, if you do that again, it's going to cost you dearly. That was Sunday morning, deacon Sunday night. Monday morning, he's praying. He's asking God, what should I preach on? God says, racism. He says, I don't know if you heard what the deacon said, but I don't think that was a very good idea. And I think God probably said something like, I heard exactly what they said and they didn't get it, so it's a good idea. So my grandfather disobeys, finds something else to preach on that week. Anybody ever been there, right? Like, it's like, God, I, I think I believe that you know everything, but I don't know if you know what this decision is gonna cost me. So the second week, they have the same conversation. And that night, members of his church, most likely who sadly probably also a part of the clan, burned down his church. But he had a decision to make. Was he going to be obedient to God and stand with the move of God of his generation or was he going to shrink back? Needless to say, he didn't last very long at that church. Um, but when they rebuilt the building, they put his name on the cornerstone. Years go by, he finds himself in the mission field planting churches, raising boys who would carry on that family legacy. 
All of us find ourselves in moments where we have a choice to make. Will we put a stake in the ground? Will we approach the fork in the road and go the way that God would call us to go? Or would we carry on the easy way? And here's what happens oftentimes when we carry on in the easy way. We don't simply make a decision that doesn't matter, but we make a decision that negatively affects generations. And in that decision, some things happen. Spiritually, you could put generational curses on your family for the decisions that you make. Psychologically, you can put generational trauma because of the decisions that you make. And so some of us here may be here paying the price for the generations that have gone before us. Like maybe the generations before you were abusive. Maybe the generations before you didn't leave you much in the way of legacy. Maybe they didn't follow Jesus. Maybe there's divorce and brokenness. And the question is, will we be the ones to put a stake in the ground, to choose to follow Jesus at the fork in the road? Will we be the the people who shake off the decisions made ahead of us like great-grandpa George, so that the generations that come after us have a legacy to build on. Maybe you're in great-grandpa George's shoes today. You're the one that puts the stake in the ground. Or maybe you're in my shoes. You're the beneficiary of generations who have gone ahead of you, who have put the stake in the ground, said no to alcoholism and abuse, said no to religion, yes to the spirit of God. And the question is, will you leave a legacy by the choices you make that builds upon the generations before you and goes further than they ever did? Some of you, I know this, you have paid a dear price for your parents' decisions. You've paid a dear price for your grandparents' decisions. You felt stuck. One of the things that gets us that we tend to blame on generational curses is actually generational thought patterns. You see, one of my favorite passages, Galatians 5 says this, that it is for freedom that Christ set us free. So here's the key to your freedom. It's Jesus. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to try harder. It is the blood of Jesus that puts the stake in the ground with you if you'll choose to participate. But here's the the next piece. It's Galatians 5, 16. Says that if we walk by the spirit, we won't satisfy the desires of the flesh. 
You see, Jesus paid so that you could be free, but you sustain your freedom by walking with the Spirit. Some of you have have heard messages like this before and you've been like, I'm gonna put a stake in the ground and you wonder why nothing changed. And it didn't change because you were expecting God to change your mind. What God does is he doesn't change our mind. He sets us free so that we can participate with him to experience mind renewal or mind change. Romans 12, 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Here's the reality. If you find yourself at the fork in the road and maybe the decisions that you've made have created a pattern, maybe the decisions made before you that you had no say in created a pattern in your thinking, you have a responsibility which is a gift, by the way. Responsibility means that you have the ability to respond. You have a responsibility to put a stake in the ground, to accept the work of Jesus to set you free. And then you have the responsibility to participate with the spirit of God that your mind would be renewed. I believe that everything can change in one generation. Everything can change in one generation. Will you be the one to change things for your generation? You will be, Stevie. You already are. Here's what's incredible. Is that most of the time, the decisions we make go downstream. Meaning we affect the generations that come after us. But there is this merciful, gracious working of God that often happens that doesn't only change downstream, but also changes upstream. And Stevie's been living that. And many of you are living that. I believe this morning, this message is really simple. That many of us are at a fork in the road. And it's time to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm going all in with Jesus. I'm throwing off the past and I'm stepping into the new. You don't have to be defined by anybody else's choices. You have the ability with God to move forward into his purposes. That's you this morning. If you're at that fork in the road, Maybe it's a big area. Maybe it's that you're choosing to follow Jesus and you're the first in your family tree to make that decision. Or maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's the way that you steward finances. Whatever it is, I just want to ask you to stand. I want to pray for you. And we're going to put a stake in the ground. Awesome. Here's 
what Scripture tells us. That God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. He'll actually give you back what's been lost. Let's close our eyes. Please stay standing. What I want you to do is to name before God whatever it is that you're standing for. And say, God, this has been the pattern. Maybe it's alcoholism that my great-grandfather George faced. God, it's alcoholism has plagued my life, my family for generations, and I put a stake in the ground. I break that pattern, that curse in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I trust you to lead me. If you're a, if you have been victimized by the choices of others, then releasing forgiveness is a key to your freedom. If you've participated with those choices, then receiving the forgiveness of God for your participation, confessing that to God and saying, God, I'll receive your forgiveness is a key to your freedom. Just where you are, just begin to pray and, and allow God to work in your heart. I believe this is what's going to happen. Is that God is going to replace your thoughts of hopelessness for hope. He's gonna to begin to give you pictures in your mind right now of what your future will look like. in the white shirt right here, just a few rows ahead of me. What's your name? Becca. Becca, I just see God's love for you. And he's always been your father. And no matter what, father has looked like in your life he's always been with you and he's fathering you and he cares for you and there's a day coming when you're going to be a wonderful mother and you're going to have a wonderful man by your side who will represent the father well Drew, God is putting such rock solid stability in your life where generations will tell stories of great grandfather Drew 
and the strong foundation that he provided. If y'all can handle me crying, this is kind of what happens when the Spirit of God shows up. I wish it was different, but I'll take it. It's better than nothing. Damien, it's really simple. You have what it takes. In the blue with the Hernandez family. You're awesome, man. God's love is all over your life. He's not concerned with your performance. He's concerned with you. You've made some bad decisions, we all have. And the lie of the enemy would be that God doesn't like you because of your decisions. But there's a big difference between the decisions that you've made and the way that God feels about you. He's madly in love with you. And I just see that God is putting a fire in your heart. Have you made the decision to follow Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Yeah? Awesome. I just feel like God wants to pour out his spirit on you. So let's just pray for him. What's your name? Eddie? Oh, Jesus, thank you for Eddie. We just bless Eddie. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. It is a gift and not a reward. We just bless him, Lord, with a fresh filling of your spirit. Immerse him in you. Cover him in you. and Betsy God wants to give you a ministry to marriages say shame off you no shame no disqualification Lord we just bless their marriage Lord, we thank you for deep work in their marriage we bless their unity thank you Lord for your restoration and everything that's been taken
I just want to speak to those of you that are standing that I haven't said anything to. And I believe this, that God wants to speak to you, that you don't need me to speak to you. But it's actually the heart of God that he would get to speak to his kids and you have every right to hear from God. Chloe, you're a precious daughter. And your Father in heaven is so proud of you. We didn't address this, but I think there are some here who have actually had generational illness and maybe mental illness and maybe back pain or neck pain. I think there's some here that have generational hearing loss. Like maybe you're deaf in an ear. Or maybe it's just that you're hard of hearing. And I believe that God wants to bring healing right now. If that's you, would you just stand? If you were standing and that's not you, then you can sit. Should have given you that instruction before. Just put your hands out. Here's what's crazy about the cross is that with Jesus, our family tree changes. We get grafted into Jesus himself. One way to say it is that you get a a blood transfusion with Jesus, that the very fiber of who you are changes with him. So I just bless you in the name of Jesus with healing. If you're standing because of pain in your body that's been a generational pattern, just put your hand on that place. Everybody else, you're not passive observers in here. You're in the game, so you're praying. Just put your hand on that place. If it's mental illness, put your hand on your head. Here's what's incredible. It is the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that heals you. It is nothing more. We're not waiting for water to get stirred. We're not waiting for something special to happen. It is the blood of Jesus that heals you. It's not my words, it's not any of that, but we just speak in Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus over you. Declare everything that's out of order to be put in order. Just speak to those ears right now in the name of Jesus, be open. Jesus' name. Speak to backs right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Next. Mental illness. 
Your mental illness is not your burden to carry. believe that God is healing anxiety right now and panic attacks. It's not your lot in life. You may experience breakthrough in this moment and we just, we celebrate that, but also oftentimes people are healed and they're going. And I believe this, that more important than your faith in this moment is your faith as you live life. God is not looking for moments of great faith. He's looking for people who walk in faithfulness. So Lord, we just thank you for your healing touch. When you get healed, let me know. Let a lot of people know. Notice I said when, not if. Finally, you guys can be seated. Finally, I just believe that there's some people this morning that need to say yes to Jesus. You just need to put that stake in the ground and say, I am following Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm not talking about praying a prayer. I'm talking about submitting your life to Jesus. And I'm gonna ask you, if that's you this morning, would you just come forward? I know that it'll feel uncomfortable, but I believe that is the best thing that you could do right now. Oh, never mind. Come on. What's your name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Stay here with me. Anybody else? I think there's maybe two more. Come on. Yes. These guys are awesome, aren't they? These guys were made to change the world.